Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, I'm becoming an old stubborn bastard. So at <laughs> some point, even though the body will be letting me down, I know that the stubborn mentality of my stubborn bastardness <laughs> will continue to push me forward. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to another episode of Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation you should know this by now if you are a regular listener to our show let's just start by checking in everybody feeling okay today no niggles from the weekend of running that you've just had i'm sure you've all been out there smashing your miles i hope we're feeling good ready for a good week of training i'm feeling pretty good ready to smash it this week pete the producer of the show i know you are feeling pretty good you are fired up (laughs) Goal driven. I am a non-running guy, and I've been conned into uh, doing this Manchester Marathon thing, the Manchester Relay, uh, Manchester Marathon Relay. Uh, so basically, four team members each doing ten kilometres, and I'm one of the people doing ten k. And the problem is. I'm pretty sure I can't run 10k because I am a non-running guy. However, Mm. I have um, gone out of my comfort zone this week, it's fair to say, and I've come to you, Jake, because you are the running guy who I know best, who knows a lot of good stuff, and I've said, mate, help me out here, Um, even though... I'm only asking you to help me out because you got me to agree to this in the first place. I've been conned, and now I'm coming to you, the aggressor, for help. (laughs) So it's really weird, isn't it? What a strange dynamic here. Oh, man. I've never been called an aggressor before. Not (laughs) to my face, anyway. You've talked me into this. It was very interesting because the call that you gave me the other day, I mean, usually, first of all, we send audio messages to each other, and we do speak on the phone as well, but you and me, we always get straight to the point. We're on it, 100 miles an hour, you know, barely even saying hello. It's like, right, this, the show next week, and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was quite interesting because you called me. Hi, mate. <laughs> Hi, Pete. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing fine. How are you? I've never yeah, been good yeah. at small talk. Not bad, not bad. I'm thinking, what's, what's going on here? Yeah, and then obviously it turns out you are after a little bit of training advice. You, you're taking this relatively seriously now. You, you obviously want to be part of the Manchester Relay. You want to do it. You've got it in your head now. Let's be honest. No, 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 no. I don't want to do it. What I've done is I've surrendered to it and gone, <laughs> right, now I've got to do it because I've kind of agreed to do it on a public forum, which is what we're at at the moment on the podcast. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, hang on, there's me and three other team members. And yeah, I'm, I've obviously, you know, they are running people. I'm, I'm not going to be anywhere near as quick as them. I appreciate that, but I don't want, you know, I don't even know how it works, right? But I don't want, if I get the baton or whatever, and then I run for my 10K, I don't want the next person thinking, bloody hell, it's taken him two and a half hours. I'm, You know, it's time for dinner. What's going on? First so of all, I, I, there's I no I just want baton. to be able to hand over the baton to the person um, within a reasonable time frame. And I did say to you that I'd like to be able to do the 10K in... About an hour. That'd be okay. Did you read the bump from the Manchester Marathon Relay, guys? You, you know that if you drop the baton, no. you're d- instantly disqualified and banned from the that. city for two years. Not my rules, mate. Not my rules. <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, they used to call you Butterfingers at school. You be careful. You'll be out of there. <laughs> You'll never visit Manchester for the best part of 24 months. Uh, look, the things that you mention here, I think everybody can relate to. I really, really believe that. And it doesn't matter 
what level of ability the individual has with their running, where they are in that whole running journey, their running story, their experience, whatever they want to label it as. We can all have those moments where we don't feel like we necessarily fit or belong. Maybe we're running in a group that's they're faster than us, or maybe we're just doing our own training. We train a lot on our own. And actually, you know, I feel like I should be making more progress. I'm not as quick as I'd like to be. We are all so it's so easy to be self-critical. And I think especially with something like running, because it's a, something we choose. It's a hobby and it's difficult as well. It's difficult to get out there for a start, you know, to motivate yourself to get out the door sometimes for all of us and make time to get out. Hence, a big part of this show is to help people with the motivation to take action and get themselves feeling better. So I do think it's something that we can all relate to. You know, you talk about being a non-running guy. I can absolutely relate to those insecurities, not necessarily in the same sense as you, where you're talking about, oh, well, you know, I'm a non-running guy. and Because I know you genuinely mean this, like with the guys, I mean, you said this to me on the phone, the people that are in your team, obviously there's four of you that will be doing the Manchester Relay, and oh, well, they're, you know, proper runners, quote unquote, and all that sort of stuff. Man, we can all feel like that. We can all feel uncomfortable. I felt like that the weekend. You know I did. I felt like that the weekend, just gone. This is the next thing. I wasn't planning on speaking about my training and what's happening with me, but um, and I find this really interesting actually, um, because I didn't, I didn't know that you, you, you mentioned the weekend and you did. What did you do at the weekend? You did a half, didn't you? Yeah, well, it was Farnborough half marathon, the, the winter half marathon. Fantastic race in 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 Farnborough. Really, really good. It's actually Mike Gratton's one of Mike Gratton's event. Who's a former podcast guest. He's been on twice now. Uh, and it's one of his events. It was fantastic. And that was at the weekend, Sunday. If you've not heard the Mike Gratton episodes that we've done, uh, go and check out the show notes of this episode and it will all be linked back at runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Okay, Mike Gratton, absolute, absolute top, top, top man. Um, But you didn't mention that you were doing a half on the podcast. Now, this is something where we talk about stuff every week. We talk about what's going on with people's running journeys, etc., etc., etc. We know that you're doing the Manchester Marathon. We know about that. You've talked about that. However, and you talk about your training. You talk about injuries. You wear your heart on your sleeve. You're very, um, you're very open, and you talk about all this stuff. But I find it really weird that you didn't mention the half at the weekend, and then just something you said then. You linked it back to insecurity and stuff. Uh, and uh, and what's the deal with it? Why why did you not? do that why did you not mention it and i didn't personally we know we're, we're good friends but i didn't actually know you were doing the marathon or the half marathon at the weekend so what's going on yeah it's it's a funny one really i suppose there's probably a few reasons behind that i think primarily wanted to keep it a little bit low-key kind of under the radar now people that feel similar about races listen to the show will will know what i mean by that they'll understand that you know i'm, I'm not an elite athlete i'm just a guy that wants to run and has his own own goals and, and and targets and things but you know it can be very easy to compare yourself to others what do they say comparison is a thief of joy the whole strava thing you know uploading sessions or oh, people are going to think i'm slower and all that sort of stuff so i guess i wanted to keep it fairly low-key for, for a few reasons really i wasn't sure where i was at and we all put too much pressure on ourselves i had a call with a lady yesterday that i'm helping with with coaching and she's working towards a, a half marathon in april and she clearly puts too much pressure on herself and by the way this person is a lovely person she's a personal trainer she wears her heart on her sleeve she's she's really really up for helping all of her clients but she has her own fitness goals and therefore 
you know, sometimes some uh, her own kind of insecurities. I can really relate to that. And I guess I wasn't sure where my fitness was. And I, it was a bit the unknown. So I didn't have that confidence in my ability. I knew I could run a half marathon. That didn't phase me. I'm running kind of, I think the week before I ran 80 miles. Uh, I think it was 16 before that. So the distance is there. That's not a problem. But the minute you start to attach a finish time to a race, it changes things significantly, which is why I often say to people that are training for, let's say, their first marathon, because we know through speaking to all the great guests we've had on the show over the years, that when you train for a marathon, it's just there's so many things that can happen, so many variables, so many things that can potentially hinder that race and that experience. And if you put too much pressure on yourself, you'll come unstuck and you'll begrudge having done it in the first place and maybe not do them again. So it's very important that you take that pressure off and manage your expectations. So the moment you set a time, it just changes things, man. It, it just changes things. And that's how I felt at the weekend. I thought, I don't really know what's going on. And I'll tell you something else. And this is very honest now. So you know that I help Martina. I coach Martina. She's like my, if I say my number one runner, my number one client. The reason I say that is because we live together we're in a relationship. We're coaching like 24-7. It's on tap all the time. We're always talking about it over dinner. She's allowed to be your favourite client, bearing yeah. in mind she's your <laughs> missus. <laughs> if she wasn't your favourite client, there'd be an issue. I didn't say favourite. I didn't say no. favourite. <laughs> well, but, let's, hope, let's hope she is, eh? <laughs> but with Martina, you know, she is doing incredibly well. She, Her background swimming, as some people might know from listening to the show. And I knew that she was relatively fit, but it's bringing that across into running because obviously running is a different sport. There's a greater risk of injury. You've got to build the running strength, that body. You've got to build that that strength in the body to cope with the demands of running. So she had the fitness. So it's been a work in progress. And over the years, we've been chipping away and chipping away. So come Sunday, just gone, we were in Farnborough doing it together. And we said, look, let's, you know, I think we're pretty similar here. I, I sense that we're going to be pretty similar. And inside, I thought, I don't know if she's actually a bit quicker than me. I don't know if she's going to finish ahead of me, which is a mixed feelings with that, really. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah, because obviously you coach her and you champion all the people you coach. Of course you do. That's your big thing. Um, but then you have your own running journey as well and you have your own running stuff and your own goals and everything. And then all of a sudden, for you to have coached somebody to be at your point or possibly quicker than you, you go, oh, yeah, I can imagine that's a real mix of emotions, actually. Weird thing. And and ultimately, it's pride. That's the overriding feeling. And just, you know, helping somebody to be, without sounding too cliche, the best version of themselves and, and, and what they want to do. So if they really want to achieve great things and do what they can. So what I mean by that is extract maximum performance. Can they do as well as they can do? We all know that genetics will determine largely how much performance, where we can go with various races. Of course, you know, otherwise we'd all be in the Olympics winning gold, you know. So there's always going to be a ceiling. And for those individuals that are willing to commit and put lots of work in and make it a priority, it's then about, well, how much much performance can I extract? You know, what is that ceiling? And I, I do wonder whether Martina has a better overall genetic makeup than me in terms of performance and training and running. And that's super exciting. But as you point out, I still want to, I still have my own goals. I still want to train towards the Manchester Marathon. For me, I have my own time targets. And I feel like the clock's ticking a little bit as well. You know, 43, I'm 44 in March. I'm still trying to get faster, which I've said before on the podcast. I'm not chasing 
times and targets that are relative to my age. So, you know, the whole age grading thing. I'm not trying to run good for my age. I'm actually trying to run faster than I've ever ran. And that kind of puts a bit of pressure under you as as well, because, you know, kind of time's slipping away a little bit. You know, Martina's 10 years younger than me. So, yeah, I guess all those reasons really was why I just sort of kept it quiet. I just wanted no pressure and just to go and experience it and just see where I was really. I get that, absolutely. And, you know, obviously, and this is the thing where I say, you know, completely different league, obviously, but I've never measured or timed my runs and I've just started doing that and I've started uploading to Strava. And that, even though I'm just messing about, that still makes you feel a little bit insecure because, of course, you want to improve. Of course, you want to get better. So how do you deal with that? Because you touched on it there and I was thinking I'd bring it up anyway. Obviously... You know, Marty is as good as you now, or thereabouts. You're around about the same. As you as you get older, how's that? That's going to be weird, isn't it? Are you going to slow down? What happens? I don't know. I'm just asking because, you know, at some point you will go, actually, I can't get any faster. I've plateaued for a little while, and now I'm on the decline of, you know, being good for my age. Well, this is all the unknown, isn't it? Because we don't really know when we're going to start to decline, uh, get slower, let's label it as that, and when that process will start. And by how much, you know, that's quite interesting as well, isn't it? Well, how, how, how how slower are we going to get? And, you know, and then there's other things to think about. Well, actually, are we getting slower? Let's use me as an example. Am I getting slower when that happens because I'm not able to put in the same amount of training because the body isn't as happy as it perhaps used to be. You know, as we all age, we we have to consider, you know, rest and recovery a little bit more. So that's quite an interesting kind of, I suppose, thought process, consideration as well. You know, Martina being 10 years younger than me, is she going to be able to keep pushing on? And look, let's let's make no mistake about it. I'm not in competition with Martina. I want her to do as well as she can. And I tell you the amazing thing as well, and this, you know, we always reframe things in a very positive light. Ultimately, this is awesome because she can now help me. So before, over the years, I've been the one that's potentially been leading, waiting for her on long runs. We don't run every session together, but we do a lot together, which is great. And we really enjoy that as well. Let's not forget that. It's not just about times and performance. We enjoy running. It's good for our mental health, all those great benefits. But I've been the one in front and the one that's kind of pulling her along, as it were. Well, now that gap that she has bridged is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's virtually disappeared. Well, now she can take the reins. And I said to her after when we were reflecting on the race on Sunday night, I said, look, you can now be pacing me. You know, we can go out there and use each other like teammates, like, you know, elite athletes would, where you get together and you're leading a mile and alternating between or a few miles or whatever it might be. So now I feel like I can use her to help my own performance. It's kind of win-win, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it is. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And while you were just talking about that, I was thinking about my um, my aging process because I've got a few years on you. I'm, what am I, uh, 48 now or something like mm. that. Um, and, and it's a good time for me to start running because I'm getting quicker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's nothing to do with age. That's just to do with um, the fact that all of a sudden I've started to go on oh, leading, leading towards a goal. I've never had a goal before. Um, but within other areas of life, there's always that 
that stubborn bastardness of an old person. It's like I'm becoming an old stubborn bastard. So at some point, even though the body will be letting me down, I know that the stubborn mentality of my stubborn bastardness will continue to push me forward and I'll become mentally more resilient or mentally stronger in that I go, well, I'm still going to do it. Like, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, things that I do, let's say like a climbing wall or something like that. I go climbing occasionally. You go, I'm getting up there and I'm getting up there quicker than I've got up there before because I'm, I'm stuff it. I'm not getting old. I'm not past it. I can get up there. But it's interesting you, you use the word stubbornness as well, because, you know, I always look at this in different ways. And I think there's positives and negatives to lots of different things in life and ways of being and acting and thinking. So stubbornness is a great example of that when it comes to running. So in many ways, being stubborn can be a very positive thing because you won't let things stop you. If somebody puts an obstacle in front of your way, that could be your boss that scheduled a, scheduled a meeting when you were planning on running, you will break down that barrier. You will run in the evening. You'll get up an, uh, you know, an hour earlier and run in the morning. You'll do what you can to overcome and battle the elements on a Sunday morning when it's hammering it down, you know, horizontal horizontal wind, uh, horizontal rain and wind battering you, all those kinds of things. The flip side is the cost and risk of that is we can potentially not listen to the little niggles mm. and the times when perhaps we should back off a little bit. Now, maybe there's just a bit too much pressure on you at work at the moment. Let's say that can happen. You Maybe you've changed your job. I've got a runner at the moment I'm coaching who's recently changed roles. I've had a couple of runners who've changed their roles in their, in their workplace. So it's a learning process. It's more responsibility, potentially more stress. Got to factor that into their training. If they're out and out stubborn, they could risk pushing and pushing and pushing and then break either physically or mentally. So you, you've got to, there's always that balance, that fine tuning. Does that make some sense? I think that's really, really important, especially where stubbornness yeah. is concerned. It does make a lot of sense. And you know where you just said that stubbornness can be good? If you could tell my wife that, that'd be great. <laughs> I'll put in a call. I shall put in a call for you. We're good friends. I've known you a very long time. Very long time. Good lad. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Are you a small business owner or self-employed? Is the admin starting to take over your life and your enjoyment of your business? You started your business with a vision. If you're the same as most small business owners, that vision wasn't spending long hours on admin that take you away from what you love doing. Sounds like a virtual assistant is what you need. To find out exactly what they do, how they can help, and so many useful small business management tips, then listen to the podcast, How to Work with a VA Day-to-Day on your podcast app. Running with Jake, the podcast. I mean, this half marathon at the weekend, you say I kept it quiet and, and, you know, secret squirrel and all that stuff. But I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't in complete silence. I did tell a good friend of mine who is my confidant. We all need one of those. And in fact, on the morning of the race, he sent me this message. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, Good luck today to the both of you. Um, No fanning around. Going hard. Destroy the opposition. Destroy yourself. Uh, No negativity. Ignore whatever your brain's telling you because it's been naughty. Uh, and that's it. You're a Power Ranger. You're a Power Ranger. Not the pink one. Or maybe the pink one. <gasps> Bye. Good luck. Bye. Now, I, I didn't I didn't go in hard, as was okay. advised, but I didn't fanny around either. 
No, no, no. Were you a Power Ranger? I was not dressed as a pink Power Ranger. Maybe I could have shaved off a few more seconds. Maybe I should I should mention that to Martina this evening and say, look, I've got an idea. I've got a tactic, a strategy for the next half marathon. We need some Power Ranger costumes, all right? I'm the pink one. Get your own colour. <laughs> I love Ian. He's great. He's great. He's uh, that's 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 what you need, though. You need someone to motivate you, don't you? Absolutely. And 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 we all need that kind of bit of a boost of confidence and just that reassurance because we we all have demons and we put those things in our mind and especially when it comes to a race. And look, if you are nervous about a race, and that can be any distance, of course, I think that's a bloody good thing because it shows you care about what you are doing. It shows you care about the race. It means that you'll execute well or certainly stand a greater chance of doing that. You'll be very mindful of race preparation and, and and all those sorts of things that are really helpful when it comes to racing. But afterwards, you will reflect on it and you get more out of the experience because it meant something to you, because you were a little bit nervous about it, because you cared about the outcome. Now, again, we use that word balance I mentioned earlier. It is important you don't put too much pressure on yourself and you feel too nervous where actually the whole thing just becomes overwhelming. Got to remember... We choose to do these flipping races. It's a choice, man. It's a choice. So you you did the half of the of the weekend, and you've been you've done numerous marathons um, over the years. But you, it strikes me, and it's it's a journey, and you are for want of <laughs> I hate that word. Oh, it's a journey. Oh, let's see their journey. It, it, but but it it is it is a a constantly evolving situation um and you do always take away from these situations so what what did you what did you take away from the weekend first and foremost i got the awareness of where am i where's my fitness at because i needed to know that after the calf strain last year so i think i've been training kind of about seven weeks kind of proper training back and doing sessions and things so it's nice to know races if they go well even if you're not particularly happy with the finish time for example at least you know where you are if conditions were good you gave it everything and you you can use that information kind of learn from that experience to plot the path forward so I certainly learned wh- where I am, so that's very important. And and it's those little things that you fine-tune. Now, some things that you learn from races are not necessarily new learnings. They're just reminders. You know, I'm, not, I'm somebody that doesn't do, like, a huge amount of races, and that's probably my downfall, actually, Pete. I probably would benefit from doing a, f- a few more races because uh, then you, uh, you feel less nervous. The nerves, while we know nerves are good, as I mentioned... If the nerves are too high, it can be problematic. So you just want to get used to the whole situation of being in a race environment, getting used to the morning, what to do on the day of the race, what time do you get up, what do you eat, all those kinds of things. So just fine-tuning that race day process that morning before I actually got to the starting line. And a big thing, and I say this to a lot of my runners, is timings of food. So I include hydration in that, by the way. So I we stopped drinking 90 minutes before the race starts. The race started at 9 a.m. And I said to Martina... You can imagine I'm constantly at her on the morning of the race. Right, have you had breakfast? If you don't, right, you need to stop drinking. Have you, have you put Vaseline on your toes? Why do we need to do that? Just do it. It'll help with blisters. I don't get blisters. Just do it. And I, so 90 minutes before the race starts, stop drinking. So keep hydrated the day before, the day before that, pretty much all week, really. Uh, and then on the morning, drink, hydrate, stop. Because obviously you want to avoid, if possible, the need to go to the toilet in the race. You can. It's not the end of the world, but it's not ideal. Obviously, that's going to eat into your finish time. So we learned a little bit from that, just a little bit of fine tuning and things like that. Um, I think that was quite important. And also, I tell you a big takeaway, Pete. You know, I tried to push myself what well, we both did and we did, you know, it, the race went really well. 
And I realized afterwards, I was like, okay, I know now what I need to do in my training for other half marathons. I've got another one coming up in a few weeks. And for Manchester Marathon as well, it's longer sustained efforts. So working at kind of half marathon, marathon, between marathon and half marathon effort for a longer period of time, because that's directly connected to what you are asking of the body when it comes to races like half marathons and marathons. You're working pretty hard for a long time. Now, it's really easy, I think, to kind of shy away from certain sessions that you think, oh, God, I don't enjoy those. That's a nightmare. I'll just do something else that I can tolerate. That's a bit easier to accept mentally. And that might be some shorter kind of interval sessions. You know, I'm not saying that's that's the bad thing to do short interval sessions for for longer distance races. But of course, the race is a marathon in this case, or, you know, a half marathon. It's a long time you're out there. So you've got to kind of replicate that in training, put yourself in that uncomfortable place. So your mind and your body's more conditioned to it. So that's definitely something that I learned from, from Sunday, for sure. Do you know, a big thing about you that has always impressed me is how in touch with everything you are, how in touch with yourself, how in touch with your performance and other people's performance as well, which is what makes you really, really good at what you do. But you know, when you've, you've done your race, like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if I'd done a half marathon, I'd be on my arse and I'd be going, right, show me to the beer and then I'll have a steak and then I'll go to bed and I'll sleep for three days and then I'll get up and have another beer for breakfast. Um, but with you, you, you don't do that. You have a very reflective process. So you look at the race and then you reflect on it and you take what you can from it. So what is your, and this, this will be helpful for people because you know we've got races coming up people will be doing races all the time in the case of somebody um like myself who's at my sort of level it will probably be a park run or something like that so after that you can reflect on it so what are your tips for reflecting and reviewing races and events well look first of all your way of reviewing your race or in the immediate aftermath of what you might do in in the Manchester Relay is all part and parcel of it. Enjoying the moment, you know, going out for whatever it is you want as a celebratory meal and all that stuff. But I think there's there's that bit of a balance where you've just got to cast your eye in the immediate aftermath, I believe, of the Mm. race. Now, there's two things here. I think those immediate reflections are really important because, first of all, they're very much at the forefront of your mind because you've just done it. So on the morning of the race, as daft as it sounds, I start my reflections before I've even got to the race. That's of the whole day, the whole morning. So as I'm having breakfast, I'm just noting down what I'm having for breakfast. And when I finish my breakfast, and as I mentioned before, when I actually stop drinking water or whatever whatever it is I'm drinking in the morning. So are you actually are you actually noting it I'm as in you're writing I'm, I'm, that down? I'm literally right, logging right, it in wow. the phone so I've recorded it because you can't remember everything right. So I think as soon as you've done the race, you know, you're going to have those immediate feelings. It might be disappointment, it might be elation, a mix of emotions. And it is important that you just capture those and just that memory and just think, right, what, what went well? Because there'll be some really obvious things. Do you know what? Oh, I stopped for the toilet at mile four. Or, oh man, I just, you know what? I could have worked harder in that last mile or a couple of miles because that's hard as well to extract everything like performance-wise, very difficult, it's uncomfortable. So maybe that's a, that's a reflection that you have like immediately after the race. Capture that, record it. It's really helpful. It doesn't have to be as soon as you cross the finish line, but you know, that afternoon when you're back either in the car or at home or whatever. Having said that, I don't think it stops there because you also need to let the emotion settle down. It's the classic thing. Let's say somebody is disappointed with a race performance because that happens. I've been there. I've been disappointed with many race performances. And you're a bit downbeat. You know, you thought it was going to go really well. It didn't go really well for whatever reason. 
at some point, could be later that day, the following day, later that week, even the week after, that thought in your mind. Actually, thinking about it, that worked quite well. This was quite positive. I learned from that. You know, you start to shift things a little bit. You can become a little bit more objective, which I think is quite hard immediately after because your emotions are sky high. You're exhausted mentally, physically. You've been concentrating for five kilometers, 10 kilometers, 26 miles, whatever. So you almost need to review ongoing over the over the next kind of couple of weeks, I would say, and kind of add to those notes. That's important. I can understand that. A stat that I heard the other day, strangely enough, is when you're in an emotionally high state, your actual ability to listen has uh, becomes 50% less. And I guess that's the same kind of thing, isn't it? When the emotions are taking over, all of a sudden your ability, it's not just your ability to listen with your actual ears, it's not sound coming in, it's processing that sound that comes in and processing those emotions, isn't it? I love that. That's absolutely what it is. And you know, it's the whole wise mind and emotional mind. And you, I think, need to go through that reflection process while you're in both. I think there's a place for both. Certainly, there's a lot of power through being in the wise mind where you're nice and relaxed. You're no longer in discomfort, meaning in the race itself. You, you're at home. Your muscle soreness has subsided. You feel OK. Uh, and then you can start to just add a little bit more to those notes. But certainly asking yourself some key questions. What worked well? What worked well? What went well on the day of the race? And don't just move on from that. Really think about what went well. Were there some challenging moments in the race where actually you, typically speaking, historically speaking, you succumb to those challenges and and you are you struggle to overcome when your mind is saying, look, you want to slow down. This is really hard now. Were you able to overcome those in the race that you've just done? Maybe you pushed on harder than you have done previously. Well, irrespective of the finish time, you want to commend yourself for that. You know, that's definitely something to reflect on and something that you learned from it. Now, there may be some things that you need to do differently. Could be in the race prep leading up to. Maybe you set off too fast. I mean, let's be honest, that is a classic, classic, classic thing for so many runners to do. In races, you just get caught up in the atmosphere and you just set off too quick. You know, looking at how the day went things that are in your control and also things that aren't in your control so for example and this was a little reminder at farmer in the weekend we tried to be meticulous with everything you know warming up you've got to time the warm-up well because you want to warm up close enough to the race start so that because if there's too much of a gap between when you've warmed up and the race start you kind of cool down again so you've lost the benefits of warming up but you don't want to be warming up so last minute that then you're panicking to get to the starting line so there's this kind of like it's difficult because every race is a bit different you don't know how many people are going to be there the logistics if it's a new race you've never done and we timed things pretty well on sunday but we needed like a last minute toilet stop which most people do so we went to the uh to the to the loos and the, they were very quiet all morning until just before the race start and the queue was massive and we said, I can't believe this. But we had, you know, it had to be done. So we just stood there and we could hear the announcement, you know, with the countdown and oh, we're starting in two minutes and all this, the excitement. And we were looking at the watching. Oh, my God, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. And we said, look, just you've just got to accept the things that are out of your control. It's one of those things. It's happened. Things won't always go your way. Just relax. Just chill. Just do your thing. So you've got to be adaptable as well. And these are all the things that you can reflect on 
on the morning of a race. I'm taking from all of this for what I'm going to be doing in Manchester because I've never done it before. Do you know what I mean? So all of a sudden I'm listening to the podcast. I'm listening to your advice in a completely different way. And and um, one of the things that, that concerns me is like pacing. How do you know? You know, I want to do it within a certain time. I want to do it, with, but I don't want to, I don't want to smash it because I'll be absolutely knackered and I don't want to be really, really slow because that'll let everybody else down. But how do you pace it? Because you know you have an idea of your pb obviously marty does hers but how do you go right i need to be that much quicker or or i'm that much how do you how do you pace it well you say you've never done it before but but it's very similar to my experience on sunday because you mentioned pb well that was pete that was like 11 i was 11 years ago my pb in a half marathon so it's like almost null and void it's irrelevant it was certainly irrelevant on sunday because i had no idea and that was one of the reasons i felt quite I suppose anxious and I wanted to keep it a bit quiet because I didn't know where I was. So pacing is really sure. important. You know, as we mentioned, people can set off too quickly. And if you've got a watch, as many runners will have, obviously you can track the pace that you're running in that moment. But it's not all about the watch. You're in control. You're the governor. Now, on Sunday, we had to look at what the conditions were. So that's massively important because a lot of people will have a time target. But then when it comes to the day, are the conditions, do they allow that time, that performance? Because if if not, then you need to make the adjustment. Classic, best example I can give is London Marathon 2018 when everybody turned up with all these great time expectations and it was the hottest one on record. Well, you've got to adjust your target and your aspirations. The other thing is, and I said this to Martina several times throughout that race, it's about effort management throughout the race. You've got to constantly check in with yourself and you'll experience this in the race. And in Manchester, you've got to constantly check in on yourself. How am I feeling? What's the effort like here? Can I can I continue with this effort? Will I be able to cover the distance? Now, you might not be able to answer that question conclusively, but you can at least start that thought process. Because then if you think, Do you know, I'm, I'm taking a bit too much out of the body here, which is what I said to Martina, because she was time driven. And she wanted to go under 90 minutes for the half marathon, which we did, which was, a you know, fantastic to be with her. Mm. In a personal best, you know, crossing the line together, having that finishing photo, brilliant. But I said to her, look, don't don't chase sub-90 minutes at all costs. Mm. Potentially, she could have been at risk of missing out on a personal best because she was chasing 90 minutes. Does that make sense? Sure, so she yeah, could have still yeah. got a personal best, not gone under 90 minutes, but if she'd have kept, no, I've got to go under 90 minutes, checking the watch, oh, push, 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 oh, the conditions aren't great, but it doesn't matter, I want this time. And then she takes too much out of the body, she's not managed the effort, and then towards the end, maybe not forced to walk, but certainly slow down, which can obviously have a big impact on the finish time. So you've got to constantly manage effort. And on that, and this is something I really believe strongly, and I hope people find this useful listening to this and perhaps applying any races they have coming up. When, you, when you're targeting, targeting a time in a race, we often look for races that are fast and flat. Of course, why would we look for a hilly race? We like fast, flat races. Now, if a race organiser says, oh, this is, you know, it's a flat, fast course. I think it's very easy to turn up thinking it's going to be pancake flat. That's not necessarily the case. In fact, I would suggest that it's rarely the case. There are some like super flat races, mm. but you're going to have, especially in a half marathon, 30 miles, you're going to have some little undulations and little bits and you might not class them as hills, but the, the incline might be just enough where it adds significant amount of resistance so that actually you've got to dial back on your pace a bit to maintain the same effort. Does mm. that make sense? You go up a slight incline at mile three and you've got another 10 miles to go 
And because you're so focused on pace, you're like, no, I'm just going to keep going at this pace, 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 pace. This is the average pace I need to hit to achieve this time. You're taking too much out of the body. You're working too hard and it could come back to bite you later. So don't be afraid to just back off those little inclines. For the majority of the race, I was, Martina was just on my shoulder. So just sat ever so slightly behind me. Now, I didn't know whether, you know, I would be able to, to, to achieve what we were aiming at doing but i was in a position where look i'll lead let's see how we go and she was very aware that every time there was a bit slight incline i'd just back off a bit just to keep that nice controlled effort now if you get to the later stages of the race let's say it's a 10k and you're in the last kilometer and all of a sudden there's a bit of an incline bit of a hill well you can afford to just go for it because you know it's in the last kilometer but you don't want to do that much earlier in the race so effort management where pacing is concerned is so so important yeah, mixed with being aware of the conditions and what is actually uh, what you're capable of on that day. Absolutely. And that is intelligent running. I know it was a secret race. I get it. But, you know, uh, having having done it at the weekend, it must be amazing for you to have created those memories with Marty, with everything the way that it was, uh, and, and with no particular sort of stress around it as well and, and no expectations from others or particularly yourself. You do paint it as a really beautiful experience, <laughs> but it wasn't without its issues. It wasn't completely trouble-free. At mile... About 12 and a half miles in to this race, we've got about half a mile to go. And Martina suddenly, for some reason, I have no idea what happened. But in her head, she suddenly found herself back in the centre of Rome in a Fiat Cinquecento. <laughs> not indicating, she suddenly cuts me right up. Just suddenly veers over to the right as we're going around this corner. I just stand the brakes on. I'm like, we're having an argument for the final 800 metres, right up to the point where we cross the finishing line. Then I'm like, smile for the camera because you've got to do that. Sure. I don't know what she was thinking. And she was like, well, I, didn't, I didn't know you were there. I didn't know you were there. How can you not know I was there? I've been here for the last 12 and a half miles. Well, where do you think I've been? Dangerous. Dangerous running with that girl. It may have been the last time we've run a half marathon together. <laughs> anyway, enough about our race experience. It's now time to take another one of your questions. It is hashtag Ask Jake. Running with Jake, the podcast. Today's very relevant question comes from Luke, who recently achieved a new personal best in a half marathon of one hour and 59 minutes. Luke, top job. He is is doing the Edinburgh Marathon, working towards that in May. And he wants to know how to sort of work out, based on his half-time, what he should be targeting in the full marathon in May. Luke, I think quite a popular method to work out your marathon target time, approximately, of course, based on your half, is to double your half-time and add 10 minutes. So in your case, 1 hour 59 times that by 2, just under 4 hours, and add the 10 minutes on, you're looking at somewhere in and around sub four hours and 10 minutes now of course there's lots of things to consider here that you put in the necessary work which i'm sure you will for the edinburgh marathon and of course you need to factor in the course and the conditions on the day and all those sorts of things but i do think it's a reasonable method and a way of giving you an idea of what might be possible in a marathon so that's double your half time add 10 minutes top job again and good luck with your marathon training if you've got a question, it's hashtag AskJake, or you can drop me an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. That brings us to the end of another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. Have a great rest of the week of training. If you are racing this coming weekend, remember just to take a little moment to reflect on your race in the immediate aftermath and in the following days. Oh, and of course, if you do happen to be running a half marathon with your girlfriend, just make sure she checks her mirrors. <laughs> That's it. We're out of here. Laters. Oh, and one more thing. 
the word between your goal and your reality is called action. Action.